If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open to the book of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, chapter 15. Uh, we're drawing near the end of our journey through this book, but we still have some significant things to look at. We actually looked at the first 11 verses of this chapter back in April uh, on Easter Sunday. And that's because on Easter, we, we celebrate in a special way the fact that three days after Jesus was put to death on a cross, he rose from the dead. And that's, uh, that's what we give special emphasis to on Easter. And that's what chapter 15 is all about. It's all about resurrection. It's about Christ's resurrection in the past and the future resurrection of everybody who belongs to him by faith. So we looked at those first 11 verses on Easter, but there is a lot more in this chapter. In fact, this is the longest chapter in the whole book. Paul the Apostle has a lot to say about resurrection, um, 58 verses worth. And it seems to me that ought to tell us something. Resurrection is a really big deal. It's a really, really big deal. Um, as you read what Paul says here, it's obvious that he thinks it's very important that we understand the resurrection, that we, we know about it, and that we remember the truth of resurrection and how it connects to our lives. And as I was preparing for this, I, I couldn't help but wonder whether resurrection is as important to us as it ought to be. Don't answer out loud. Let me just ask you a question, though. If, if I were to ask you how often you think about Jesus rising from the dead and what that means for you, what do you think your answer would be? How often do you do that? Is that once a day, once a week, a couple times a month, once a year on Easter? I think you're going to see here that if, if right now you only think about resurrection occasionally, you are going to want to up your game. All right, so let's look at it. Uh, we're going to begin in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it's true the dead are not raised. And for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins and those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, he's talking about Christians who've died, those who've fallen asleep in Christ have perished. 
If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And first fruits, that's an agricultural term talking about the, the very first part of the harvest that lets you know the rest of the harvest is coming in. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God maybe all in all. I want to start with where I want to end. I want to start with the main thing that I think you and I should take away from this passage when we leave this room and go back to doing the things that we typically do each week. So if today, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and I should say, if you're not, I'm really glad you're here, and I'm glad you're hearing this, and I'm just praying that God will use this to help you understand the good news of his son. But if you are a believer in Jesus, and if you want to live the life that he wants you to live, you should think about resurrection frequently. You should make it a habit to remind yourself that Jesus not only died for your sins, but he actually, literally, physically rose from the dead. And because he did, you also one day will actually, literally, physically rise from the dead as well. Just as God the Father raised Christ, he will raise you if you belong to Jesus by faith. This is meant to be a life-altering truth. A belief that makes a big difference in how we live, how we think, how we feel, how we act. From day to day. This is not a once a year truth. This is is an everyday truth. This is a several times a day truth. Something that we're we're to call to mind frequently and be thinking about. um, Frequently. So somebody's going to want to know, well, what do you mean by frequently? How how often is that? Well, I, I can't put a number on it. You know, that would be legalism. The Bible doesn't say think about this six times a day or twice a day or whatever. Um... But based on what I see here, and based on what I see going on in, in, in our lives, what I see going on in my own heart, 
I'm convinced that the reality of resurrection is meant to grip our minds and our hearts regularly. And I would guess that most of us probably don't think about it nearly as much as we should. It ought to be normal for us to think about Jesus' resurrection. It ought to be normal for us to think about and dream about our coming resurrection in the future. We should love to think about it. We should never go very long without thinking about it. And so if you, if you want to put some definition to the word frequently, uh, maybe you could do this. What is something you think about a lot? You know, when your mind kind of, you know, slips, you, you're not focusing on a task in front of you, but your mind just kind of goes into neutral or whatever, and you kind of go to where you like to go mentally, what you like to think about. Well, whatever that is, I think you should think about resurrection. And I should think about resurrection at least that often, maybe even more. Okay. Why? Why should you do that? Why make it a habit to think about resurrection frequently? Two, at least two, important reasons in this passage we've just read. Here's the first one. Because resurrection confirms the truths that matter the most. Resurrection confirms. It validates. It authenticates. It um, shows the truth of those truths that matter the most. Now, not all truths are equally important. I'm sure you know that. But it's important to keep that in mind. Not all truths are equally important. For example, did you know that this morning the sun rose at 6.23 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time? How many of you knew that? Okay. You really? <laughs> Color me skeptical. 6.23 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Okay, if you didn't know it, did it matter? No, the sun came up, life's good, everything's fine. You didn't need to know that truth. It's not that important. Well, here's a very different truth. Unless Jesus returns, as he promised, before this happens, a day is coming when your body and my body will die. Your heart is going to stop beating. Your lungs are going to stop breathing. And your body will cease to function. That is the truth. And because it's going to happen, you ought to act accordingly. There are some very important things you should take care of before that happens. Now, most of us do not like to think about the inevitability of death, but it is a truth that really matters. And the message, the message we have, the Christian message, the good news about Jesus is filled with really important truths like that. Not trivial truths. We're talking life and death truths. We are talking about huge truths. We're talking about truth that's, that makes the difference between knowing God and not knowing God. The difference between healthy relationships 
and messed up relationships. The difference between a life that is meaningful and a life that is empty. The difference between an eternity of happiness instead of an eternity of misery. Huge truths. Now, here's the thing. All of those big truths that we who are believers in Jesus, these truths that we cherish so deeply, all of those truths stand or fall with the resurrection of Jesus. Do you ever wonder how we can possibly know if the good news about Jesus is actually true? By the way, that's what was in the first 11 verses. Paul spells out that good news very clearly. He says, here it is. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and he was buried. And then he rose on the third day, according to the scriptures, and he was seen by many eyewitnesses. And it's by responding in faith to that good news that that we are rescued from our desperate situation, our separation from God, and, and we are forgiven of all of our wrongs. And we are made part of God's forever family. That is the best news ever. But how do you know if it's true? Resurrection is how you know. Or at least it's it's the main way we know. That's what Paul's saying here. He says if the resurrection isn't real, it didn't really happen. If dead people cannot rise, which apparently is what some of the Corinthians were thinking... We'll talk about that more next time, Lord willing. They are so fascinated with Greek philosophy, and that's that's an idea of Greek philosophy. The the dead cannot rise. Well, if that's true, if the dead don't rise, then Jesus didn't rise. And if Jesus didn't rise, the gospel and all of its teachings are fake. It's a bunch of baloney. The good news isn't good news, it's fake news. It's good for nothing. If Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, Paul says, then he and all the other apostles, who, by the way, all claimed that they saw Jesus alive after he was put to death, well, they all lied. And nothing they taught us can be trusted, which means that our New Testaments are not God's word at all. They're just pretty much worthless. And having faith in Jesus is stupid. Just like all the critics of Christianity say. Yeah, I've heard people say something like this. Well, you know, if you want to believe in Jesus, if believing in Jesus helps you, it doesn't really matter whether it's true or not. As long as it helps you, fine. (laughs) That's not what Paul says. Paul says, if the Christian message isn't true, forget it. Forget it. Chuck it. It's a waste of time. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, your sins aren't forgiven because his death accomplished absolutely nothing. And those Christians you love who've already died, they're gone. They've perished. There's no hope for them, and there's no hope for you if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But he did. 
He did. And that fact, that historical fact, validates everything Jesus said about himself, everything he said about us, everything he promised us, all of these truths that matter most. Just listen to some of these. There is no condemnation, no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who love God, all things, all, what a huge word, that three-letter word all is, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of those truths and many more are true because Jesus rose from the dead. And you might say, well, okay, yeah, those things are true if Jesus really rose from the dead, but, but how do we know he did? How do we know? It's a great question. The short answer? The historical evidence for the resurrection, frankly, is beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's not just my religious opinion. That is the careful conclusion of serious scholars who have studied the evidence. And if you personally have not looked at that evidence and examined it, you really should. And so I put on your note sheet some resources so you can do that. There's a few books listed there. Here's the fact, okay? This is the reality. As long as you do not start with the assumption that miracles are impossible, if you don't start with the assumption that resurrection is ruled out by definition that it's impossible, if you at least maintain an openness to the possibility that if there is a God, he could do something like that, then the arguments in favor of Christ's resurrection far outweigh, they're far stronger than any alternative explanation. And you have to have an explanation. Something happened. Something happened. What ex best explains the evidence? I don't think it's a contest, actually, but look. And the Christian message, because Christ rose from the dead, the Christian message provides the answers for life's deepest questions. Who am I? What, what am I? Why, why am I here? Why am I here? What is my purpose? What is wrong with this world? Why is it so messed up? Why is there so much suffering? Will evil and injustice ever stop? And what's wrong with me? Why do I keep doing hurtful things? And where, where can I find? My, my heart craves love and peace and joy. Where can I find those? And if God is perfect, if he's absolutely perfect, then how can he possibly ever accept me with all my flaws? 
And what happens after we die anyway? Jesus has the answers for all of those questions. And his resurrection confirms that his answers are worthy of your complete confidence. And the more you think about, the more you think about the truth of his resurrection, the more inclined you are going to be to embrace those answers and hold them close. So, that's a big reason we need to think about that a lot. So, second reason, second reason to think about the resurrection frequently, (laughs) it corrects, the resurrection, thinking about resurrection corrects your faulty expectations. Or to say it differently, it corrects your um, perspective. It gives you correct perspective. And we need that. Have you learned yet? Maybe you're young enough you haven't learned it yet, but false expectations can really mess you up. Really mess you up in your family, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your work, pretty much in everything. You know, just for instance, if you... (laughs) If you're coming home after a long, hard day and you expect, you expect your home to be peaceful and instead there's all kinds of drama and chaos, or if you expect your spouse to treat you with just love and respect and instead you get criticism, or You expect your friends to remember your birthday and do something nice for you. After all, Facebook reminded them. (laughs) And they don't check Facebook and they forget. They don't do anything for you. Or it's your annual review and you're expecting at least a decent raise and very possibly a promotion and you get nada, nothing. What happens? What happens if what you expect to happen doesn't happen? That can lead to serious disappointment, frustration, conflict, and even despair. That same thing can happen in our relationship with God. When we fail to remember the resurrection our coming resurrection. Because see, here's the thing. Resurrection tells us some things about life that we need to remember. We need to keep these in mind to keep a correct perspective. And if we don't remember resurrection, we don't remember these truths, we develop expectations about how life is going to be that are not accurate. This happens a lot. Okay, so Walk through this. Look, at, look again at verse 19. If in this life only, if in this life only we've hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. You realize what he's saying? He's saying, if resurrection isn't true, if this life is all there is, being a Christian is a major bummer. It's bad. Because... As Christians, we're called to do really hard things. Like love our enemies. Like give generously of our money and our possessions. Like forgive people who wrong us. 
not just people who hurt us and didn't mean to. I mean people who actually wrong us. Forgive them. Okay, well, if, if there's not a future coming, if there's not a future life coming where every wrong is made right, where every sickness is healed, where everything messed up gets fixed, what's the point? What is the point? If anybody tells you that believing in Jesus makes everything wonderful in this life, if you have enough faith, if you just have enough faith, Jesus will make everything in this life wonderful for you, they are not telling you the truth. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, as in Adam all die. So if you're connected to Adam, you're going to die, and you are. So also in Christ, if you're connected to Christ, shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then, keywords at his coming, those who belong to Christ. See what this is saying? Until Christ comes, death keeps happening. I said this earlier, unless Jesus comes first, you're going to die, and so am I. Now, that's not our ultimate destiny. That's not our ultimate destiny if we belong to Christ and if resurrection is real. Our destiny is life when he returns. But right now, the curse of death is still in effect. Verse 25, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. All his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Okay, so until Jesus returns, those enemies are still at work. And verse 24 calls them every rule and every authority and power. And those words almost certainly refer to powerful supernatural enemies that cause great harm in this world, even though you can't see them. Now, their defeat is absolutely certain. It is coming because of Christ's resurrection. We can know that. But until he brings about that future resurrection and makes all things new, including us, those enemies are still at work. They're still at work. So sum it up. Sum it up. Our future is amazing. It's amazing, but our present is often very difficult. We really should not be surprised by hard things. It, this just happens all the time, though. Something terrible happens, and we go, well, well, what's this? Well, if we took seriously what Jesus and his apostles told us, we really shouldn't be surprised. And we should not despair when hard things happen. We shouldn't despair because those bad things are never the last word. That's not the final word. But see, here's the thing. You and I live at a time with so many wonderful things, right? So many wonderful things. It is amazing all the good things that we have. You know, most of us, we're, we're pretty well off. and We can buy the food we need, and, and we've got amazing medical care, breakthroughs. I mean, I was healed of cancer by a technology that didn't exist 50 years ago. And we've got so, much, so many conveniences and all this. And so what happens is we start to expect that life is just going to be one good thing after another. 
good thing, good thing, good thing, good thing. Ah, you know, maybe occasionally a little hiccup in there, but basically it's all going to be good. And so we, we just expect life to be like that. And we start taking all those good things for granted instead of seeing them as undeserved blessings from God. And then we don't get them. Something happens. And what do we do? We get upset. And we wonder why God's holding out on us. He's not. He's not holding out on us at all. He actually has an amazing plan for us. It's just that his plan is much bigger than we usually remember. So verse 28, when all things are subjected to the Son, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that, here it is, God may be all in all. That's the goal. That's what God's working toward. And until that happens... Until the day comes when death is no more and every wrong is made right and all the enemies are destroyed and God is all in all. Until then, I mean, that's when we experience ultimate satisfaction. I keep trying to find ultimate satisfaction today. I don't know about you. And I keep getting disappointed that it's not today. Yeah, it's not today. It's coming. It's coming. Only God knows what it will take to bring about this goal that God is all in all. Only God knows what it will take to put all those enemies in subjection to Christ's feet, under his feet. See, what happens if we forget this? What happens if we forget our future? Well, nothing good. Nothing good. You know what happens? It becomes very easy for us not to pray as we should. Guilty as charged. Why don't we pray like we should? Hey, life's good. Why should I pray? It sounds terrible when you actually say it. It's horrible. But I should, I should pray because, you know, there's a gigantic spiritual battle going on, even though I can't see it. There are significant, serious spiritual enemies at work. There is a battle for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. Life and death is at stake. And, you know, I forget that, so I don't pray like I should. So you heard that tonight there's a prayer meeting and tomorrow night there's a prayer meeting. And See, if we forget this reality, that just feels super optional. Well, I guess I don't have anything better to do. There's nothing on Netflix, and I guess I'll go pray. If we forget this, it becomes very easy not to feel any urgency about telling people about Christ. Because we forget that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him, and there's a day of judgment coming. It becomes really easy to expect everything to go well, and so to not be thankful when it does go well, and to get really upset when it doesn't go well. But if we remember, if we remember our resurrection, that gives us hope in the hard times. And it helps us be thankful in the good times. And it helps keep us on mission 
we have good news to share because of Jesus' resurrection, and everybody needs to hear it. Jesus said this in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Okay, how do we do that? How do we think frequently about it? Well, what do you do when you really want to remember something? If it's important to you, what do you do? I, I'm not telling you. I'm, I'm asking. What do you do? You, yeah. Put it on a list. Make a reminder on your phone. Uh, put sticky notes on your car. I mean, on the inside. You can put them wherever you want. Calendar. Make it a part of your prayer list, you know, so that every time you sit down to pray, you remember what's coming. Whatever. I think one thing's for sure. We're going to need to help each other. We're going to need to help each other remember that Christ was raised, and because he was raised, we are going to be raised, that this day of resurrection is coming. We need to remind each other. We need to help each other remember because we live in a world that makes us forget. We live in a world of illusions. There's so much pretending going on. You know, the very fact that we never want to think about death, that's pretending. There's so much pretense. We've got to remind ourselves of sober reality, and we need to help each other with that. Not so we can be gloomy and doomy. Oh, you know, you're just going to die. That's not what I mean. This isn't about being Eeyore. This is about a healthy biblical realism. Fantastic, amazing future coming. And until then, we have a mission to fulfill. Yes, we're thankful for the good things, but we don't take them for granted. And we keep in mind what's at stake and what's coming so that we don't fall into despair or taking everything for granted. All right, you get the idea. Let's pray. Father, will you help us remember what we are prone to forget? That Jesus died and rose. And because he did, we also will rise. Father, I pray if there's anybody here today who has not yet put their hope in the one who alone is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody comes to you but through him. Lord, may today be the day. And will you help us keep in mind these amazing truths that are true because Jesus rose again. Help us with this, Lord. We need your help so desperately. I ask for it in Jesus' name.